Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Bester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Bester from Adlunum, and you are listening to the future of NFTs, where... Every week, we speak to fascinating guest speakers who are actually building the future of Web3. Uh, so on to today, uh, I have a very, very interesting topic lined up for you guys. So we are going to be talking with the two co-founders of Rare Spirits Society. So we have with us in, uh, in the room today, we have uh, Antonio Lopez de Haro, the co-founder of Rare Spirits Society as well as Luigi Rockets, uh, co-founder and chief creative officer. So a little bit of background uh, about Antonio. So he comes from a distillery background. Uh, he's been the co-founder and director and CEO of a distillery in Cambodia uh, for the past 10 years or so. So he brings a lot of uh, industry experience into Web3 industry. Uh, which definitely is something that we're going to get in today as these two worlds merge. Uh, and then Luigi, creative force with more than 15 years of experience advertising, art, and blockchain technology. He has represented Web3 in different, um, his art in different corners of, of the industry, including a gallery in Centraland. So very, very happy to have the two of you on the show with us today. Um, Instead of me introducing Redbird Society, I'm going to very briefly uh, just say that it's a society of Web3 spirit aficionados venturing on an exciting exploration of the world of rum to build and co-own the finest collection of rum, rare rum barrels. So if that has piqued your interest, then definitely stay tuned for the show because we will be hearing a lot more about what this is about. So, yeah, as I said, guys, so happy to have you on here today. So I think maybe let's start just with a brief introduction, um, just really adding on to what I've already said about you. Where do you come from and what is the story of how this Rare Spirit Society idea all began? Definitely. Nadia, thank you very much. Uh, that was a nice um, intro. And thanks a lot for, for uh, inviting us here today. Uh, super excited to share uh, our project and, and a little bit about ourselves. And uh, hopefully everybody can learn something and, and, and us learn something from you guys, definitely. Uh, well, first, uh, an intro about myself. I'm from Venezuela, uh, but I've lived, uh, I lived all around, um, mainly in Asia. Um, I was before living in Singapore and I went one day as a tourist to Cambodia and stayed for 10 years. So that's how much uh, Cambodia uh, captivated me. Right? So, uh, and there, um, um, being from Venezuela, we have a very big rum culture. And uh, well, actually what I saw was that in Cambodia, there's a lot of sugarcane. You know, it, it, when you're traveling around the provinces and every corner, of every town, they make a fresh sugarcane juice, but there was no local rum, which for us makes no sense. So we actually built Cambodia's first rum distillery and rum brand uh, from scratch, you know, that right now we're uh, actually exporting to a few different uh, countries. But Rare Spirit Society 
it's it's a it's a new project that is for the whole rum industry so it's not attached to that specific uh, project or a specific brand in Cambodia it's, this is more towards you know uniting uh, and connecting with the whole rum industry uh, worldwide yeah, so, so and, I guess it's, uh, so yeah guys I'm Luigi <laughs> I'm, I'm an artist uh, I've been an artist for more than 10 years and that was actually my entrance to the blockchain world or the web3 world because uh, I started tokenizing my art Basically, at the beginning, I thought NFTs were equal to digital art. And obviously, uh, I was really wrong uh, when I got to, to this technology and started learning and, and actually being part of other projects. I realized that this is just an amazing technology. It's such a fertile technology that basically every artist, every industry, every company will be using this technology to better their internal processes, but to also better their relationship with, with consumers. So more or less on that idea, it's how we are creating Respirit Society because we want to bring the ROM industry into the blockchain. We say that we're pouring ROM all over the blockchain. So I think that could be my intro. Well, that's definitely a fun descri job description that not many people get to claim as pouring rum all over the blockchain. Uh, on that note, why rum? So you talk about rare rum barrels. Can you tell us about why that is relevant, uh, how it's used as, a, as an investment vehicle? Um, what is the story behind rum as an, uh, as an asset? Um, yeah, well, firstly, uh, being from Venezuela, we're very passionate uh, and we have a culture of rum. So in Venezuela, we have distillers over 100 years old have been producing this uh, amazing liquid. So it's kind of, you know, part of our culture. But at the same time, uh, something that uh, that is really interesting that we have been learning in the last few years is that there's something that people call the rum revolution or some people call it the rum renaissance, you know, like. Uh, this means that, you know, more than 20 years ago was the time for whiskey. Then came premiumization of tequila. Then there was a gin boom, uh, which actually in Spain, they're still experiencing this boom of, of gin. But actually, when, uh, when you start uh, researching and you see reports and statistics and trends for 2023 onwards, they're talking about this rum revolution, right? Like uh, premium rum specifically, not the whole rum category, but specifically the premium uh, category is the fastest growing uh, spirits category in the world. Uh, so, uh, for example, UK, you know, huge producer of, of whiskeys uh, and consumers. But then actually two years ago was the first time in history that uh, rum overtook uh, whiskey sales in the in the UK. Uh, you can see a lot of uh, people's perspe perception about rum uh, change as well, because uh, normally, uh, rum has this perception of being like uh, pirates related, you know, and, or to be mixed with like uh, a cola or something like that. But actually today, you see a lot of uh, the whiskey and cognac drinkers uh, actually coming into the category of rum because we are, they're realizing that premium rum is actually uh, as high as quality as any good uh, whiskey or, or cognac um, so that's that's what, what one of the uh, of, of the reasons but also 
uh, I don't know if, if people here are familiar with uh, people investing in whiskey as an alternative asset. And then rum has actually the same characteristics of whiskey as an alternative asset, has the same characteristics of an investment asset. It goes up in value every year. It's a non-correlated asset. So the, 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 the stock market crypto can be going down, but actually it, it rums continue aging every year and they actually continue going up independent of, of other markets so that's why we want to we are from the rum industry we we are producers uh, actually a lot of people from our team have been in the industry for more than 15 years uh so that's what that's what we know and we are act, we are actually bringing this category up you know to 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 be known as a as a premium spirit and, and, and an asset to have Yeah, so what I find really interesting about this is the idea that we are bringing into Web3 real-world assets from people who have been working and dealing with these real-world assets for, for you know, cumulatively many decades. Uh, so, Luigi, as someone who came into the Web3 space as an artist, uh, what has your experience been like with building Rare Spirit Society and merging, you know, the, the real world with tangible assets, with this idea of Web3 where everything is digital and everything is tokenized? Well, actually, the, the way I started uh, in the Web3 as an artist was actually tokenizing my real-life art. So my physical art, I would uh, sell it as NFT. So it was intrinsic in me, let's say, because I'm a real life artist. And then when I saw that technology, it was like, okay, this is another great way to uh, authenticate the my real life art. So basically, uh, the first uh, digital art that I sold was related to the physical. So if someone bought my NFT or digital art, let's say, I would send them the, the physical piece. One funny thing that happened is that sometimes will, people will buy the NFTs and they didn't care about the, the physical, which was funny, but okay, I'll keep the physical, you take the, the NFT. But then it was like a sort of like a, a cool progression because while I was learning uh, about the technology, also Antonio was learning about the technology and we were meeting a lot thinking, oh, what can we do with it? And to me, like the, the, what threw me over the bridge and what got me hooked on Rare Spirit Society was that insight. Because I love rum. I drink rum for my life. But Antonio once told me that basically, yeah, rum is such a great asset because it doesn't matter if the market is going down or sideways. Rum is always aging and therefore becoming more valuable. So to me, it was like, wow, that's such an amazing insight. We definitely have to build on this and... And sort of that's how rare spirits came to be and we are also we think of ourselves as explorers we like to travel so we are like sort of combining all the aspects that we love uh, in this uh, society which we think uh, people love people are already loving it because we already started selling our membership we have over 70 members uh, so we have already minted like 140 sugar canes. That's our, our how we call our, our memberships. But obviously, because it's the beginning of ROM, it's also the beginning of our, of our club. So yeah, I think this is the way to do it. It's not uh, about speculation or having just uh, art. Well, obviously there's artists who make digital art, 
but I think that in the future, everyone will start using the technology to tie the physical with the digital or how they call it, the digital. So I think this is the way to go and we're happy to be building at the sort of early stages. Yeah, I'd love to get a little more into exactly how Race Bird Society operates, but on this idea of technology being the central point, I think this is always something that, that people in Web3, um, because we're so close to what is happening, it, it, there's a tendency to look more at the potential use cases than technology itself. But what is really interesting is people coming from other industries, recognizing the technology specifically and applying it to the use cases that they are already dealing with in their, in their industries and in their professions. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, you know, people always talk about mass adoption of Web3 and, and it's such a nebulous concept because what does it even mean to reach mass adoption and which as aspect are we talking about? So from the sounds of it, what you are doing with uh, Rare Spirit Society is really onboarding people who have a passion for rum into web3 as opposed to passion people with a passion for web3 which i think is often the mistake that is made we are trying to get more users because they love the technology or because they love the use cases but not necessarily because we're seeing it as as you say just this idea of the digital world where you have your digital assets and you have your physical real world assets and we might move toward a future where the, the two blend into two sides of the same coin. So do you feel that with building Rare Spirit Society that you are uh, adopt, you know, creating user adoption into Web3 in a way that is perhaps more geared towards success because people want the assets and the technology comes you know, alongside it? Well, that's a really good question because we actually always thought of ourselves not as an NFT project. We are a company that buys and sells rum and have this community to create and co-own the, the collection. But we, we don't even mention NFTs when we, when we present our project. That's the technology that goes in the back. We actually are all about rare rums, the barrels, and the rare mines. So we want to unite people who have a passion for rum with the opportunity to collect and have access to these rums. We think that, yeah. Basically, the technology, the mass adoption will come when people don't even have to hear blockchain or NFTs or, or, or Web3. Uh, so basically, we are a club of rare spirits uh, aficionados. But, and we're actually using the technology because the blockchain is the best ledger to, to, have a, a, to, to keep account of your assets. Uh, and basically, that's why we're using it. But uh, we, we could actually be doing this without the blockchain. But we know it's a better, it's a better way to do it, and that's why, why we're doing it. So we think we're actually bringing uh, rare, rare spirits aficionados into the blockchain, and that's actually something that people are loving because we are the first, uh, we are the bridge, basically, be between these spirits aficionados who are mostly wet too, and we're helping them open the, the MetaMask. We're helping, like we're guiding them, teaching, teaching them all about, uh, about this world. And I know, we know that in the future, that's something that our members are gonna appreciate about Rare Spirits, that having, having them taking, you know, taking them by the hand to, to the blockchain. 
Yeah, Antonia, I'd love to hear your thoughts as someone who's very deep into a different industry and now is using the technology uh, as you know an add-on to what it is that you have already been using as as something that you have been focusing on for for a decade. Now there's this new technology that's been introduced. What are your thoughts on building it into the business? Definitely. So, uh, so actually, the the idea to create a spirit society uh, was also was. I mean, th- there's a problem or a barriers that we have in the industry, right? Uh, in the rum industry, which is that people, let's say, common people who are not into the the rum industry, do not have access to the rare rum barrels, right? So, if if somebody wants to just buy a rare rum barrel because you know they want to collect it or or whatever, it's it's literally impossible. If you go to distillers, they will not sell barrels to individuals. Uh, if you go to even brokers, you know, that the intermediaries, they will actually have a barrel that, you know, weights 400 kilos or and has 200 liters, and then they'll ask you, where do you want me to send you this barrel, <laughs> right? And then what, what do you do with that barrel in, like, your living room or something, right? So it's, it's, it's really tough. So what we did is thinking, you know, when we were meeting and, and learning about this technology, we're like, wait, there's actually a lot of solutions. We can actually bring down the barriers that people have for access to rare room barrels, and we can give this access to them because sometimes when you want to collect a barrel, let's say, or, uh, or invest in a barrel, you don't necessarily want the physical with you, right? So by tokenization of barrels or real-life assets, you have that capacity to own, to have the, 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 the title of ownership of an asset, but that asset, the way we're doing it is that they are staying at the distiller. So when we buy, let's say, 20 barrels from Jamaica, 20 barrels from Martinique, uh, 20 barrels from Venezuela and Cambodia, actually those barrels stay at the distiller. They stay at origin in those countries. Also for the aging process, that's the best way because uh, you want uh, environments affect, you know, temperature humidity, uh, the, the, the whole environment affects how the, the rums are aged and you want most of them to be aged at origin, you know? To, so, so actually, yeah, the, adapting this technology now lets us as Rare Spirit Society own barrels all over the world without the need to be transferring uh, the physical barrel, right? Uh, and that's, that's what actually brought, brought Rare Spirit Society to, to what it is uh, today, you know, and giving the capacity for people to have access to this uh, to this asset, and 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 honestly, this is something that you know, um, something that we see that can affect you know different industries. Uh, I was reading yesterday about uh, tokenizations of of Patek Philippe watches, right, and and how you know suddenly you you're using a watch. Uh, uh, title of ownership as, a, as an NFT, and you can actually, you know, use it as collateral to get loans, for example. And and then you're thinking like, but wait, if, if, if rare rum barrels, right, are going up in value every year throughout the aging process, right? And imagine barrels that are 10, 15, 20 years, they're actually more valuable than barrels that are two years. So, so by owning this asset, you know, uh, and being tokenized and, and, and then having those technology that where you can you know use that title of ownership for a collateral of a loan or, or or anything else i mean the possibilities are 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 huge right so 
So actually, we're just beginning, but but every time we're we're working on this project, like so many new ideas and opportunities actually uh, come up that are quite uh, impressive, in, in my my opinion. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about the merging of these two worlds is only Web three investors are given the opportunity to invest in asset classes that you know they would not even have considered otherwise. Um, so would you say that, you know, broad speaking, um, in Web3, we have such a focus on hype and speculation and, you know, the high highs, very low lows. Uh, if, if someone is a Web3 investor and is used to how things function in this very volatile sense, uh, what considerations uh, would they be making if they were considering to invest in RUM, for example? Um, well, something that we have noticed, which uh, which we were not uh, really expecting, is that um, that is there. There has been also a barrier for Web three people to actually um, see this uh, uh, to the value that it has because of of what Luigi was mentioning before. That that you know when he came into this world, he thought that NFTs was equal to digital art. And for example, our 500 uh, sugarcane membership passes, they use a single piece of art, right? And, and, but the thing is that that NFT of the membership represents co-ownership of a, of a whole portfolio of rare rum barrels, right? So that means you have real life assets backed, backing the memberships. But then because all the memberships, they have the same... Uh, visual at the moment this is the, the membership passes right they will eventually will have uh, new ones um web3 people have been like okay but you know like they all look the same right so <laughs> so what, like where is the art where is the artist behind this and and for us that was really strange because we thought that they will actually like really understand you know that that actually there's a real life uh, asset uh, behind it and actually barriers, uh, we, we experienced like both sides, you know, to, towards the Web3 people uh, seeing this uh, and, and knowing that there's real life assets in the back, but also, um, you know, run people onboarding them into Web3 has been also like, uh, like definitely extremely, extremely tough. But, but we have actually, you know, working really hard to, to, to onboard these Web2 people uh, we have been creating our own like tutorials, video tutorials, to you know as simple as like how to open a, a MetaMask or um, or how to mint, you know, or what is mint, right? So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been very really, really interesting, but it's been a, a very big learning uh, process for sure. Uh, also, I, I guess that being on a bear market may not, uh, you know, help also like Web three uh, people. Right to, to 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 go into this kind of innovative um, uh, projects, uh, especially when we're doing a like very very uh, tight community. Let's say right. So for example, we um, we do not have a public mint. Right. Uh, we actually it's it's a hundred percent under an allow list. So we're normally having uh, one on one Zoom calls with uh, all the potential uh, members, uh, and then and then. From there is that we, you know, uh, put the the their, their wallets in the in our smart contract to be able to to mint. So we're doing like a um, a process, you know, to kind of curate really uh, who are these rare human minds 
that we want uh, in our um, in our society, right? Which is normally a uh, you know, spirits aficionados. It's uh, also where you know web web three people, but definitely uh, we are you know we are creating this process uh, of of a loud list and, and and a long process of of curation, let's say, so we can also not um, have let's say degens or, or or people who are like coming into like flipping uh, NFTs, let's say, because rum at the end of the day it's a it's a long term project, right? Like rum. Is normally aged for three, four, six years. Um, so this is definitely a project, you know, that it, we're here for the long term. We're here for many, many years, decades. So we're building very strong foundations to be able to, you know, like uh, create like a like a very strong foundations of of a, of a company uh, to to grow, you know, in the in the coming years. Yeah, so I, I want to uh, jump onto this idea of a curated community because I think this is something that we've seen in the NFT space, irrespective of what the what the utility is of the particular NFT. That, I mean, Web3 in general is very community-focused, NFTs more so. But I think this idea of creating a curated community is certainly something that is uh, becoming much more popular in, in every industry uh, where people know that the other members of the community are people who, you know, depending on the topic of the community, are curated and have shared the same interests or whatever the case may be. Uh, so, Luigi, in building the community for Rare Spirits Society, because obviously you are having to blend two very different worlds. The Web3 community, which yeah, I, I love the um, little anecdote about people complaining that it's the same, uh, the same art piece for every NFT, uh, because it definitely highlights how many gaps we have uh, even within the Web3 industry for people to understand you know, the many varied implications and use cases, applications of, of the technology. Um, but you're having to build a community within Web3 uh, with their own, you know, values and, and outlooks. And then Web2 community, which are, of course, already people passionate about RUM, but now having to onboard into this brave new world. So what approach are you taking to community uh, building, especially as you mentioned, Antonio, in a bear market where, I mean, just just getting it through the bear market, no matter how how by the skin of your teeth it ends up being is already a brave feat um but it's certainly not the easiest time to create a community but in your case also quite a unique challenge which i mean is, is something that many web companies uh face as they try and onboard web2 users but what has been your approach to merging these two, two worlds in uh cre creating a community for for rare spirit society well Thankfully, we have been in the Web3 industry for a while, so we've been to Paris, we've been to Barcelona, we've been to conferences in, in Lisbon, so we've had time to actually get to know the Web3 people in real life, uh, and, and obviously on the other side, uh, Antonio has uh, more than 10 years of experience in the Rome world which the Web3 world and the ROM world, I think, are kind of similar because it's not that many people. Uh, so all of the people sort of know each other. Uh, so that's been great because Antonio gets to go to the ROM industry conference and then we both go to the Web3 conference. And we started that way with the people we knew, obviously. But then we obviously have to expand and grow more. And, and, the, and the way we do it is through Zoom calls 
basically or live interviews. So everyone basically comes recommended in a way from, from ourselves and from other members. And we just have a conversation and and see what their interests are. They're interested in what we're doing. A lot of people, for example, in the ROM industry are interested in, in, in bulk, in having uh, the most amount of ROM. And for example, we're actually interested in having the finest uh, ROM collection. So basically, we, we just talk to them and see if they are a good fit. And obviously, if they're interested, then we proceed to add them to the allow list. And it's been a great experience because we've, we've met so many people uh, through these interviews and mostly all of them are amazing people. So they, they are allowed to come in, but that's the way we do it. Just, we just, we don't, we don't have like ad, uh, advertising in Twitter or in uh, anywhere in the social media. We want the way we advertise ourselves is with a conversation and like we did with you, Nadia, we present the project, and in that way, you can understand more what we want to do, because like Antonio said, this is a long-term project, this is a lifelong project, and we want people that are involved with us to actually know what we're doing and enjoy the, the society. So, Antonio, I have a question. Uh, we've been talking around the idea that, you know, NFTs are viewed as the digital art uh, aspect only that, that, that some people see it as. Uh, so coming from a Web2 world and dealing with real world assets and with people who might not necessarily understand anything about Web3 technologies or NFTs, have you experienced that people express skepticism about you know why even use nfts because we understand that as you mentioned earlier it's actually the technology that best uh, serves your needs as a community but so how do you address and respond to these uh if you do experience uh, skepticism or critique how how do you often respond to it in a way you know makes people understand why this is the best uh, tool for the job uh, definitely so skepticism is 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 definitely there we have um we have had a lot of experience where we're actually presenting to someone and as soon as we mention web3 or or blockchain you can see that they they kind of there's a block you know in the in the communication but uh, but funny enough uh, sometimes within the same presentation or sometimes uh, within two days th that they have the time to kind of digest all this information and actually start seeing uh, what the benefits could be people come back to us and they, hey, you know, like, you know, thanks for, for the last time. The, and, you know, like I had time to, to digest this information. And I'm actually, you know, it's, a, it's an awesome idea. And, I, and, I, and we think that, uh, you know, it, it improves a lot the, the processes and, and uh, in, the, in the industry, right? So one of, uh, of the things that we always like to talk about is about, you know, transparency, traceability and liquidity, right? Because that's definitely something that it's that it's lacking in the in the rum industry right so for example transparency you know like if if nowadays you want to let's say you want to source a barrel you want to buy a barrel from any distillery or broker uh the information out there is very very limited right uh, because the rum industry is also super secretive in the sense that you know a lot of these distilleries are family owned you know they have been you know, run by, by generations of, of their family. 
And so, of course, they have, you know, this kind of secrecy thing of like, okay, this is our company and and they have, you know, like recipes for, for whatever products uh, they may have or techniques of aging and all these things. They, 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 they don't really uh, keep it transparent. But, but then by using uh, tokenization, let's say, right, of real life assets, in this case of rare room barrels, uh, we're looking at actual transparency, you know, being able to tokenize a barrel and to including the metadata, all the information about the history of that barrel. But then as barrels go on to age, you know, from as could be as low as one year to up to 25 years, the idea is that how do you keep this, this uh, transparency and this traceability, right? Especially when some barrels you have to change from a type of barrel, let's say from an ex-bourbon barrel, you change it uh, a few years to a Pedro Jimenez, uh, an ex-sherry barrel, right? And that information is normally lost uh, or you have just to trust someone that says, oh, yeah, this was aged in such and such barrel, but documentation is, is really limited. So what we're trying to do with tokenization of barrels is to keep that traceability, especially when barrels are changing either locations or are changing woods, different type of woods, but also when you actually bottle those barrels, because from one barrel, let's say you can get uh, 220 bottles right? Uh, then also we are de- developing that technology where you can tokenize the, the bottles, but then that token is attached to the barrel token, right? So you eventually, when you have an actual bottle in your hand, you can get that information uh, on the blockchain of the traceability of where it is coming from. Uh, and liquidity, because uh, what, what we mentioned before that, you know, you can actually sell the ownership of a barrel or or eventually a bottle, but the the actual uh, physical uh, doesn't have to, you don't have to move it, right? So you can actually, uh, nowadays to sell a a collectible bottle or barrel could take you uh, around six months. It could take you to sell or buy a barrel. Uh, With tokenization, you can actually, uh, and the transparency, you, you could actually, it could take you a few minutes of researching what kind of barrels you want, and you could, buy the, the ownership of that barrel instantly on a 24-7 market a- against six months, which takes today. So when, when, when Web2 people understand that, it actually opens, opens their eyes because, because they take it like as that's, that's how the industry works, right? So yes, they have a skepticism. They hear NFTs and blockchain and they, 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 they freak out sometimes. Uh, sometimes people even ask us, uh, every week, which which is surprising, like what is sorry, what is Web three? I don't know what, what you're talking about, or what is blockchain? That that happens uh, a little bit less than Web three, but still it's still happening uh, every week. And but once they understand these benefits, it actually opens op- op- opens their minds and, and their eyes because it's definitely a solution that if it's implemented industry wide, uh, it can it can literally bring the the industry to revolutionize it to different uh, to different levels. Luigi, what are your thoughts on the way that we approach things in Web3? Because I always say we are so in love with these acronyms that we want to... I mean, even Web3, it it doesn't mean anything to anyone outside of Web3. Same with NFTs and DeFi and with all of these different terms that really just serve to confuse people and to almost chase them away. Because I think, as Antonio said, 
when you speak to someone and you start using the terminology, you can almost visibly see how there's a cloud coming in front of their brain and they just, they, they can't understand a single other word you're saying because their brain is stuck on, they have no idea what you're talking about. So what are your thoughts on the way that we are approaching things uh, in the industry? Are we focusing too much on the terminology instead of really, as Antonio was highlighting, demonstrating to people really how the pain points that they either already know that they're experiencing or that they would want to support a solution to if they did know that you know, this problem could be solved. Um, how do you think, what is the best way to approach the, the onboarding uh, into Web3? I would say the best way is to show them real use cases, like not talk about, like we said, we, in our conversations uh, with people, we try not to, we don't mention NFTs, we mention blockchain uh, maybe once, because that's not what matters. Like what matters is, uh, for example, we are creating a club, and if you go to a club in real life, you don't know how they handle the payments or how they handle their their uh, memberships. You just pay for the membership and you can come into the club. So that's what we hope we get to be, a real use case on how people can, uh, a community can have access to a rare rum collection and actually build together that rare rum collection and drink it and enjoy it. So you're doing real life things. So I think that as more big brands try to create uh, a real life experience through the, the this technology, because it's at the end, it's just the evolution of the internet and we're giving it so many names. I don't know. I don't remember that when we were in web two with the social uh, apps that people talk about, uh, I don't know, the, the intricacies or the, or the back end of that. People just sign on and start posting and start liking. I think that's uh, uh, the way that Web3 should be done. Obviously, this is a different thing, but I think, yeah, the terms and basically all the companies that are called NFT something, uh, I think that the they're not utilizing the, the technology in a good way because they just should be, uh, I don't know, like say, respirate society. We don't mention the technology because we're basically a club. Uh, and that's how I think it should be uh, pointed. It's just real use cases. Uh, absolutely agreed. I mean, um this idea of it being the evolution of the internet, I, I think we spoke about this previously about the Netflix uh, documentary that I'm producing. And I find this often when I speak to people about this is when I mention Web3, they have no idea. But when I say it's the future of the internet, they very much understand what I'm talking about um, because that is the natural evolution of things. We understand technology is going to come in, it's going to create changes. And those changes are going to have implications for the way we do things. But uh, Antonio, I'm curious because you have this foot in both worlds. Um, you have the realm, the digital realm uh, with, within the business, uh, the Web3 slash NFT aspect. But then you also, of course, have the physical assets. So how do you ensure um, the quality of the rum barrels being represented as NFTs? Are there specific cr criteria or a vetting process? How do you go about ensuring quality? And I guess this also touches on the larger question of risk management. 
Definitely a good good question because that's a that's a that's a common question for members, you know, when they're coming in to 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 kind of be sure that uh, that we you know how do we are sure that we really have those assets under our uh, ownership and, and that they are rare rum barrels, right? So uh, I think a, a, a one way to say it is that being from the rum industry and and having two other uh, co-founders as well that are being all the life in the in the rum industry, we pretty much know every every uh, rum distiller uh, or rum uh, distillery owner and we are only looking to work with premium quality distilleries right so so at the end of the day so uh, most of them are brands that are known and that we have worked together in the past so um you know in the, in this industry like in many there is a lot of reputation right at the end of the day they, these distillers they also have their own brand and and we are working with them that they, they are not really looking to for risks to kind of taint uh, their brand uh, because that, that they have very valuable uh, brands. But at the same time, we are creating we we have created so we already have a rare rum committee of people who are uh, it's ten of us who are actually all from the rum industry and. Um, some of us have already traveled and been at these distilleries in, in person, right? And we know uh, in all these distilleries, we know the owners personally. Um, so one thing is, is actually knowing the distilleries, having been there, uh, taste testing the liquids. Uh, we also have a chemical engineer uh, in the team who will be helping with actually doing laboratory tests and making sure that, that the liquid is of optimum quality and it's a, uh, and it's a fine uh, liquid. Um, and but also at the same time, uh, one of the benefits of being a member of Rare Spirit Society is that we have a lot of experiences as well. And one of them being travel to the rum countries that we're working with. So, for example, uh, we are doing our first trip uh, of the Rare Spirit Society to Cambodia at the end of the of October, and the idea is that members can come with us. So for this one is the, is the first one. Uh, so we have already around five members confirmed, but we expect from 10 to 15 members in this first trip. So the idea is that we go to the rum countries, we go to the distillers with members, and we're actually bringing filming crew with us to, to document the whole trip. And this trip is not only about the rum uh, and the distillery, but it's also about cultural immersion and entrepreneurial aspect because we, we will meet local entrepreneurs, we will do workshops, uh, mini conference and all this, but members will actually be inside the distillery, and we will spend around two days, two full days at the distillery, uh, l- l- looking at master classes about production, tasting all the different barrels uh, that they have, uh, and and actually bottling by hand ourselves. Um, and the idea is that members are coming with us; they are seeing the the, the actual production facility, they are tasting it together with our experts. So there's no better way for members to feel comfortable when, when okay, if you cannot go to the, the trips, at least you know that other members have come to these trips. And, uh, and yeah, so end of October, we go to Cambodia and already for 2024, we're already planning El Salvador, uh, Jamaica, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, Hawaii. So, uh, so these will be opportunities for uh, Rare Rum Committee and members to actually go and, and check with us. Also, uh, with using some technology, we're also thinking about adding uh, NFC chips to um, 
to each of the physical assets, let's say in this case the, the barrels, with a, a, a method that if you open that barrel, the chip actually breaks and it sends that information to the token that represents the, the ownership. Uh, we are also looking, uh, studying still and designing it to, to have some oracles where you can actually have temperature, humidity, and GPS location of each of the barrels. This doesn't exist at all today in the industry. And uh, so that's why we're designing it ourselves. We're coding. We have like a, a team helping us create this. So that means with the oracles and, and members being able to have access to our dashboard, they, we can actually see, you know, where are these barrels located? Uh, temperature and humidity, which is very important for the uh, um, aging process, and plus the trips that we go and, and check, you know, like, let's say every year to each distillery. Um, I mean, that's a few layers of of, uh, of security and risk management. Uh, but at the same and at the same time, well, other risk management, for example, is insurance, right? So we are um, insuring each of the of the barrels uh, that we have. Um, so. Yeah, and, and if you have any other ideas of how to actually, you know, reduce more risk and, and improve our processes, you know, we're always uh, looking for new solutions and, and learning uh, to, to be able to improve. I think this is what, what makes this technology at, at this time uh, such a flourishing place to be because it offers solutions to potential, well, existing and also potential problems that might arise in future. Um, although I think... With the use case that we've been talking about today, it sounds like there has been a real need for something like this in the rum industry for a while now. Um, and I, I wanted to just add, even though I'm not a rum drinker, but all of those travel plans sound amazing. So I think this might be the best way to experience those countries is, is on a tour like this. Um, so this is always my least favorite question um, for exactly the opposite reason as what I just said. You know, it's the the opposite of, of innovation, um, but the aspect uh, of regulations and, um, you know, just the, the ambiguous regulatory situation that we generally have around cryptocurrencies, NFTs, etc. How, what are your considerations around these regular, regularities, uh, both what is in place now and also what you see, foresee in future might become an issue? Um, uh, you go ahead. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's that's a very, <laughs> very uh, good question because it's, it's a very tough one uh, as well. So we do have some legal advice, of course. We are um, also looking at, at least for the, for the membership part and how do we manage our rare run portfolio. We are looking uh, eventually at creating a DAO that uh, that we're looking at a few different options, probably like something like Marshall Islands or some place where they have already implemented some DAO regulations. And in Marshall Islands, for example, they have for-profit DAOs as well, where you know you can actually give out dividends, you know, and, and you can call it dividends, which is normally not like that's a, a definite no-no, you know. Normally in this industry, you call it utilities or rewards or airdrops, but uh, but you know being able to to actually, you know, go, uh, 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 and again, as we are going towards a project that is long-term for and, and it's years of aging and we're dealing with a real-life asset and there's definite, definitely that need to be compliant uh, 
And and that's why we're looking at all these solutions. I mean, although we already a registered company, we already have trademarks and everything, so it's it's fine. But but also the the, the interesting thing about you know using this technology of tokenization is that the, that tokenization is in our case it's you know the title of ownership of that specific barrel, right? So but the barrels are actually staying at the distilleries, which is also there's the, there's the regulation part of the crypto part, let's say, and there's the, the regulation part of alcohol, right? Because alcohol is also a regulated uh, product, right? And uh, But then, you know, we're keeping it at the distillery, so that means it do- when it doesn't leave the distillery, there's no uh, there, the, the, you know, it's, there's um, what you call the bonded warehouses, right? So it's not leaving the country, it's not leaving, changing hands. So so we are able to kind of do that in a, in a very uh, easy way. Um but uh, but something I I mean we we of course recommend is uh, it's legal advice but but honestly it's it's we have uh, talked to dozens of, of of lawyers and specialized in crypto and and we have never heard uh, a common ground you know as to what to do so it's actually quite funny because you are you are looking for advice uh, because you really want you know like someone who to, to pretty much tell you what what we should do but but actually. It, it, it's reminding me of uh, of when I set up uh, the Samai distillery in Cambodia. So, as mentioned before, uh, Samai is Cambodia's first rum distillery, right? So, I remember when we were when we went to the Ministry of Commerce and the Ministry of Agriculture and the Ministry of Handicraft and asking for like, do we need a license to produce alcohol? And people that in the industry, the in the sorry, in the ministries, they would look at us like. What are, what are you guys talking about? You know, like they didn't know what distillation even meant, right? And we started distilling, we started producing alcohol and it was only like three years later that they came to us and say, hey guys, you actually need a license to do this. And we we're like, sure, but uh, you know, we went to your ministries and, and you had no idea. And they're like, fine, fine, just, just get it. You know, you pay a couple hundred bucks and <laughs> suddenly you have a, a license, right? So. Actually, this reminded me because we're trying to do this, and 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 there's there's never been like a proper answer like okay, guys, you should do this, this, and this is what you need. So, so we're still struggling with that, but uh, but in a good way because we're learning a lot and uh, and we're preparing, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's a tough tough waters to to navigate for sure. I think we are dealing with this even at the level of the SEC and Coinbase. We are seeing exactly the same thing. So it's definitely an international problem in terms of no idea what the regulations even are until already already operational and have been asking them uh, on on how to comply. Um, Luigi, did you want to add anything to the to the answer? Uh, well, what what I would add it, it would be just. Study the blockchain, study this technology, because I think that basically once you learn about uh, this amazingly rich technology, it's so fertile that if you have any idea in your life that you that you had in your head for a few years, once you study the technology, you'll find amazing ways to to bring that idea to life. That will be my my last comment. Uh, about this because I think that's what happened to us, me as an artist and with Antonio with the ROMs and every day or let's say every week we are surprised 
that a new idea comes in and makes the whole uh, project better. So basically, if you have any idea, please study this technology because you will actually uh, know how to bring it to life. Yeah, cannot cannot agree more. Um, so I'm going to remind the audience, if you want to ask a question of Antonio and Luigi, please message the question to the Adlunum Twitter handle and the team will get it over to me. So in the meantime, while you send in those questions, uh, I think I'm quite curious. So I know very little about rum in general. Of course, I know the, the pirate aspect to it and I've had my fair share of rum in my life. Uh, in terms of this rare rum collection, can you give us some examples um, how they vary in terms of value or rarity or you know, give us a little taste into this world of rum and, and rum collection specifically? Well, uh, um, I mean, rare rums, we're looking at, you know, super premium rums from the best distilleries around the world right now. What, uh, what we are accessing as Rare Spirit Society is we're buying a few barrels from Puerto Rico, from Jamaica, Venezuela, Mexico, uh, Cambodia, Australia, etc. Et right? and, and the interesting thing is that every country, and this is the interesting thing about the rum uh, industry and the rum category, is that there are so many different countries producing rum that actually is a very, very versatile uh, um, category. And it's very interesting because every country has their own kind of local rules and regulations, uh, which it's amazing because that means that you have so many different rums to choose from when you compare it to very regulated industries like Scotch whiskey, for example. Right? Scotch whiskey, they have so many regulations that they have to stay within line. But in rum, you have you know, white rums, you have dark aged rum, single cask, you have spiced rums, you know, and you can use whatever spice you want, uh, fruits. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's versatile. So, but for us, we are looking at aged rums and we're looking at the many different factors, right? So you have the, the location, um, where is this rum coming from? So the provenance, right? As mentioned before, we have all these different countries like Puerto Rico, Mexico, whatever, then uh, each country will produce different types of liquids. So you have different liquids, for example, is it coming from molasses, which is a byproduct of sugarcane, or is it coming from sugarcane juice, which, uh, which is before uh, you make the molasses, right? And these two will make completely different liquids, right? So you have the, for example, you can have the agricole rum, which is from sugarcane juice, French style, or you can have from molasses, uh, age in Solera, which could be the Latin style, right? Or Spanish, some people uh, call it. Uh, you can have from Jamaica, which is English style, uh, but then you can have some heavy, uh, what they call heavy or high esters uh, rums, which are very funky and, and you know, completely different from, from the counterparts, right? Then if you talk about the actual aging barrel, because when we're talking about rare rum barrels, it's bar uh, an oak barrel with the liquid inside. But actually the oak barrel itself, you have hundreds of different barrels, right? For example, the most common ones are the ex-bourbon, right? So the, the, the bourbon industry, by law, they can only use the barrels once. So that means that every time they use it, they cannot use them for the second time, so they actually sell it to the rum industry and the, and the scotch whiskey industry. So that's the most common barrel. But then you have, 
you know, you can play around with American oak. Is there French oak? Is it has it aged and uh, mezcal in the past, or or a Pedro Jimenez, which is this sweet wine from from Spain? And you know, it could it be wine from from France or Riojas or or whatever. So at the end of the day, the amount of different aging barrels that you can find, and and depending on what they were used before, they add the notes right uh, to to the rum so that means you can get hundreds of different profiles of rum depending on uh, on the on the on the barrel you use and then finally there's the aging environment so imagine this uh, example you have the same rum from uh, Venezuela right with the same liquid let's say it's from column steel and you age it in the same barrel which is a French oak so uh, but you have two of those barrels, right? But they're exactly the same. Venezuela, column steel, uh, French oak. But one of them you age in the Caribbean, in Venezuela, and one of, eight of them you age in continental Europe, let's say France. Well, these two barrels, they will come completely different animals because even though it's the same liquid, same wood, same provenance, but the aging location environment will make them completely different animals, different rums. So... There you go. So you can imagine, uh, you know, with all these factors, you can have thousands of different profiles of rum, which in our case, that's what we are kind of curating the barrels and the liquids to be able to create this, what we call gems, right? Because again, we're not interested in the largest collection of rum in the world. That's not our interest. It's more about the finest collection of rare rum barrels. So that means finding these gems, finding these different factors that, that uh, different combinations that can create uh, a rare rum barrel that will be eventually a collectible and that will add value to the members of the Rare Spirit Society because all the members at the end of the day co-own the whole portfolio of rum of Rare Spirit Society. So the owners are actually the members. And eventually when we bottle these barrels, it's the members who own this bottle. So members will get access to these collectible rare bottles that no other brand or no other has ever produced. And that's where we also give value back to, to our members. I really hope that you are also going at some point create a masterclass for rum because I would definitely take that. It has been incredibly uh, educational and also highly interesting. Uh, thank you so much, Antonio and Luigi. I'm going to I, I'm look, take a look at the questions. And also, there seems to be a very loaded question uh, because we have some team members from Venezuela who are already giving their answers. Uh, so there's a question here from Solomon. Um, according to your taste buds, which place has the best rum? One place we must try rum at. So, yeah, it seems like the, the conversation has whet some appetites in the audience. Uh, and then also I want to touch on the second question, so maybe you can take that together. Do you see NFTs for whiskey, vodka, etc. also catching on? You guys are doing a fantastic job. Cheers. Thank you. I would say Jamaica. That's my favorite part. Ah, that's the unpopular decision. No, you have to say Venezuela because there's many, many people in my chat right now waiting for that answer. <laughs> so well, Jamaica well, it is. <laughs> because, because of Antonio, obviously most of the rums that I've had in my life were Venezuelan and I'm really used to it. But because of Antonio, he's been teaching me a lot. And we've tried rums from all over the world. 
and and I would say Jamaica would be my my uh, favorite part. And I also want to go to Jamaica uh, to, to do this trip. Uh, hopefully next year instead of Cambodia, we can go to Jamaica. And and also to your second question, of course, uh, we're actually called Rare Spirit Society and not Rare Rum Society because we're thinking uh, really big for the whole spirits industry. And we, as we talked about with whiskey, that has the same characteristics as rum. We definitely see the, the potential there. But since we are rum experts, we want to uh, build our, our company first with what we know. And then we hopefully can branch out into collaborations with, with people who actually know the whiskey industry because that's uh, the, the, the cornerstone of, of, of doing something is you have to know the inside out, inside out the, the industry. Antonio, so where, give us where, your yeah, answer, please. His favorite. Yeah, yeah, I mean, being from Venezuela, of course, uh, like that's, that's where, where we grew up with. But as Luigi is saying, it's like when you actually go out and start trying different rums from around the world and all these different profiles and whatever, you get amazed and, and your jaw like really, really drops. Uh, so besides Venezuela, let's say, uh, what, I, what I would say is uh, one of my favorites, well, Jamaica, I mean, it's, you get these funky, uh, uh, yeah, these, these funky liquids which are like amazing and, and it blows your mind. But then I will also say, for example, uh, Martinique. Right, so it's a French island. They produce rum from sugarcane juice, not from molasses, and so that means that you get this very like herbal and 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 this you know like ground soil and and herbs and you know like very floral uh, rums, and 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 actually it 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 yeah it literally blows your mind because that's not what you really expect when you grow up uh, in a country like 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 Venezuela, but. But those drums right now, uh, normally they have been unaged, but now they're, they're, they're aging it, you know, and you can find some amazing aged uh, Martinique rums, uh, French style, they call it agricoles. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely something to add to your, to your bar. So I think if you had a question about where to uh, get the best rum, just get in touch with their Spirit Society and they are going to open up a whole new world of knowledge to you and travel plans, it seems. Antonio, yes. Luigi, thank you so much for your time today. It's just been absolutely informative and educational. Uh, some parting thoughts from the both of you as well as where the audience can reach you. Um well, we, we have the, on our website, we have all the links, but if you want to reach us uh, more directly, there's also a link on the website to get acquainted with us, and you can schedule a call so we can go over the, the, the project. Uh, we have a presentation that, that we share with, with potential members, so if you're interested in, in becoming one, uh, yeah, just hit that link on the on our website. Our website is called rarespirits.io, uh, and in there you have you'll find all the links, all the information. And if you want to book a call, just uh, book it with uh, a link there called "Get Acquainted with Us" and 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 just uh, book a call. 
So, uh, Antonio, if audience, if the audience takes nothing else away from this conversation, what is one thing they should remember about uh, what we discussed today? Well, only, only one thing. Wow. Um, so, I mean, one thing that I think it's it's important. It's it's about you know when you have at the end we live in a in a real world. Right, so so real world assets is something that it, it it it's it's there, you know, it's it's something that we live with, and there's nothing that will replace, you know, a real life assets in our in our society, whatever. If you use Web three, Web four, <laughs> Web five, I believe we will still be, you know, in this physical world, and uh, and there's nothing better than you know, like let's say enjoying a a glass of uh, a rare rum. When it touches your lip, you can actually, uh, uh, you you actually smile automatically, you know, to, to to and and the senses that you get because drinking rare rum is is really something that takes all your senses, right? It's on the nose, it's on the palate, it's on the eye, you know, like what color is it? It's like emotions, it's like goosebumps sometimes, you know. So uh, I I would say that, you know, like. <laughs> Like, yes, we're talking about technology. Yes, technology is improving uh, our way of life and it's improving access to real-life assets or to investment opportunities and to, you know, like everything now it could be faster, spending less time, more efficient, whatever. But, uh, but touch grass, you know, like touch grass or drink or sip rum. I think that that's what I would say. <laughs> Well, I don't know if we've had a better invitation uh, to a closing on the show before. Go touch grass or go have a glass of rum. You decide whatever you're into, but do one of those two things. Awesome advice. Um, so with that, guys, yeah, we've come to the end of another show. But I think as you can agree with me, today has been absolutely fascinating as we continue to explore just the the many different implications that this technology has for the future. Um, so uh, thank you very much for joining with us today. Um, and of course, Adlunum is building the industry's first engaged to earn investment platform with a proof of attention allocation mechanism and uh, dynamic NFT investor profiles. So I will catch you again next week for another episode of the future of NFTs. In the meantime, if you are a Web3 project uh, looking to connect to investors, do look out on our website for our Web3 Pitch Arena, where on a monthly basis we connect projects with uh, our, our investor network as well as our ecosystem partners. So I will see you again next week. And Luigi and Antonio, thank you so much. This has been absolutely amazing. I think you might have converted me to at least becoming very, very curious about rum. So I definitely leave this episode uh, with a new thing. I don't want to say on my to-do list, but on my bucket list. Uh, so we definitely uh, observing from the side to see how uh, race spirit society grows into yeah, just a brave new world for the spirits industry. Thank you so much, guys. Have a lovely day wherever in the world you are. And I will see you next week. Cheers. Thank you. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.